Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everybody, Bees with Ben. Got another tremendous episode today. Talking to a beekeeper and someone who's heavily involved with technology. Uh, obviously, you know, the Langstroth hive goes back to the mid-1800s, but we're dealing in an era where technology, how can we improve the way we beekeep? Uh, and on the line, I've got Simon Mildren from Hive Keepers. Thank you so much for your time, Simon. Hey Ben, awesome to be here with you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. No, this is awesome because, uh, well, let's let's jump in uh, and ask. Obviously, your journey with bees, uh, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll talk about all these fantastic things that you you do. So, how did it all start with the bees with you, Simon? Quite simply, my story is a little bit different. You know how Ben, a lot of people sort of get on the uh, look sustainability angle or the. I'd want to help pollinators or I want to make my veggie garden more prosperous. That's a pretty common story, yes. wouldn't you say? Yes, definitely. Well, sure. my, about 10, oh, 11 years ago now, um, I was writing sister, uh, making homebrew. Oh, yeah, and awesome. I, Love it. <laughs> yeah, 10 acres, you do, you're doing all sorts of different things out on the 10 acres and one of those things happened to be like producing my own homebrew and with that particular, um, you know, hobby and interest and also, you know, getting a bit creative with that, I wanted to create some honey wheat beer. Mm. And when you've got 10 acres and you've got your orchards and you've got your veggie gardens, you've got your animals and all these different things, you want to produce everything of your own is, is often the way, isn't it? And, um, well, I couldn't make my own honey wheat beer without my own honey. So for me, that's where beekeeping started. And I got my first hive um, about 11 years ago now, and it was to make honey wheat beer. Now tell me, and, uh, what did it taste yeah, like? Yeah, go on. Uh, the honey wheat beer. I, I, I'm, dribbling, so, I'm dribbling thinking. Yeah, you are, you are. And the horrifying part of this story <laughs> is I never ended up making any beer with my own honey. Fair dinkum. <laughs> I never got around to it. I ended up um, pulling back on making um, my own beer, probably because there's lots of delicious um, local local beer houses up in the Yarra Valley where I was and you could go and get, uh, get it that way and I didn't need to... Uh, rely on doing it myself. So that's a, that's, that's a strange story, but it's that story that got me interested in bees and learning more and it's got me to love the little creatures and probably even more so love the people behind the little creatures. Yeah, love it. Now, I've got a question. Are you still making homebrew? Yeah. Um, haven't made homebrew since then. I literally stopped at the same time and I don't know what the catalyst was other than what I mentioned before, but haven't done homebrew in a very, very long time. I hardly drink a drop anymore, so that's probably half the reason. <laughs> that's right. <'Cause laughs> I was going to put my order in right now and say oh, a, bo- a bottle or ten of the uh, the honey wheat beer. I like I like that. That's got that sounds fantastic. I really like that. So, I'm sure there's someone out there that's um, within your network that's got exactly what you need and can serve you well. So put the call out now. I'm telling to get connected, mate, and they should serve you up. <laughs> sounds good. And, and so, so you started off in the Yarra Valley. Whereabouts in the Yarra Valley, Simon? Yeah, so I was out. I had ten acres out in uh, Macclesfield. Beautiful spot there, flat ground. You know, half of it was uh, beautiful mesmate forest uh, pastures, like really weedy, thick. 
weedy pastures, which the bees absolutely loved. Um, beautiful uh, gardens and orchards, and that was just on my own property, let alone all around us. So really blessed to have such a beautiful place out there and blessed because um, the bees absolutely loved it. Although I must admit out there, um, it, you could get a real dearth of nectar, and I, and I struggled a bit out there, like compared to where I am now down on the Mornington Peninsula where you can get where I've, I've never had a moment down here in nearly four years yes. with bees where they've, they've lacked any nectar or foraging capability. There's always something in this urban urbanised environment. But out there, it was a little bit trickier like that. You had to be a bit more careful. You really did. But blessed to have lived in um, two beautiful places. Oh, definitely. Especially say down Mornington because that's like, that's bee paradise down there. Um, and it's a little, oh, a little bit warmer too, would you say, than uh, Macclesfield? Because they get the pretty heavy frost out there too, don't they? Yeah, huge frost out there and also incredibly hot in the Yarra Valley. The people that live out there would, would go, yeah, that's right. So in the middle of summer, um, the heat that hangs in that Yarra Valley mm. is quite unbelievable and uh, that heat toll on, on your bees is a true thing. But down here, Ben, we're, we're pretty coastal. Yes. Uh, what, what it does to us though is it exposes my hives to a bit more wind. Okay. Um, and that wind, uh, whether that be good or bad, that's just a reality of it. You've got to be aware that that's there all the time. Um, so that's probably one of the considerations down here. I'm not big these days, been in like chasing, chasing the nectar. I'm grateful for whatever happens. I'm just grateful for the opportunity to hang out with my bees. If it's, if it means that I can get down there a fair bit and I can uh, get a little bit of a harvest, that's nice. <coughs> Pardon me. But more so just uh, enjoy being there with them, less worried about trying to get dozens upon dozens of kilos of honey, less worried about um, getting too technical these days when it comes to, to getting fancy and going ca- catching every swarm that's available, trying to simplify a little bit. Yes, yeah. And, and, and what about your job? What, what, what's your job? Are you, you're, are you full-time hive keepers now or is that? Um, still, still, my, still a side hustle, absolutely yes. still a side hustle. Um, I've been a, a long-term career firefighter for the last 14 years. So I'm uh, a fireman based out of Mornington Fire Station, which is partly the reason to move down this way. Okay. And, yeah, so um, firefighter, that's something I always wanted to do, and now sort of the interests are changing, and uh, it's just supporting uh, my desire to push harder into this technology space that no doubt we're going to talk about, and uh, really was, for me... um, a, a, a passion story, but um, something that's not, not as interesting and as uh, where I want to spend my time as much anymore. So slowly moving away from that, mate. Okay, so so you're full time with the um, with the CFA. Yeah, so we've um, like to get get technical on you. We've changed the name. We're now called Fire Rescue Victoria, but um, that's right. Yeah, full time firefighter. Oh, that's awesome! That's a, and that's fantastic. Have you ever known? Uh, side question: Have you ever known any beekeepers to accidentally light a fire? Um, look. Not well, yeah, like that, that happens a bit. Most of them probably uh stop it by just stomping on it and what have you. But do you remember? Um, and I'm not going to probably quote this perfectly. The guys in Canberra a year and a half ago, yes. I think it was then, yes, I might yes. be a little bit wrong, but one of the fires they had near the airport there was related to um, a beekeeper with a smoker on a really hot and windy day. And I don't want to, I don't want to point that out too much, but that certainly happened, was, was a dangerous fire out there near the airport. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I was involved in writing, and I'll, I'll probably get shot down for this, but I, <laughs> I was involved for the for the CFA in writing the uh, the guidance note around um, beekeeping on total fire band days. And that, that guidance note came out be- literally because, as you say, there was problems with people 
lighting fires unintended or having accidents, basically, or being careless with their smokers uh, and the like that were beekeepers. So um, I was involved in that quite a number of years ago. And um, that's, yeah, it's important for all beekeepers to be aware of that. It can happen oh, so easily. 100% Simon. And I, you know what? I'm going to put my hand up. I'm actually guilty of, of doing <coughs> doing that, um, an accidental fire. And it, and it can be simple as your hot smoker, the, the base of it can be hot sitting on a bit of, you know, sort of dry material and it can ignite. So it's, um, yeah, so it's important. So uh, and, and so you're part of actually, because every year I get a permit to, to light a fire, yep. Yep. fire um, during Tidal Fire Band days. Not that you generally, I think it's before 11 a.m., check a hive. Sure. Yeah, which you generally don't, but sometimes me as a commercial beekeeper, I have to. Um, and that's why, as you say, it's important. So, so on that subject, you know, it's it's hot hot weather. We have to check our hives. Ideally, we shouldn't, but you have to. What, sure. do, what do you recommend, Simon? Yeah, look, happy to discuss that. So firstly, and foremost, it's just about being aware of your surrounds. So it might just simply be that um, you just you just need to know that you're putting your smoker down on something, on a hard surface, not a flammable surface. So you just might take a galvanised galvanized bucket and sit it in the bucket all the time. Yes. Um, and... Do you know what works really nicely and it's pretty easy? Like you, you've probably seen there's knapsacks you can buy, but just a water pressure uh, fire extinguisher is pretty handy. So the, the reason I would go as far as getting a nine-litre fire extinguisher, a water fire extinguisher, is if if all of a sudden it just runs across the top, of, a fire runs across the top of the grass, yes. it can really overwhelm you quite quickly. So just throwing a bucket of water or trying to stomp on it, it could be wasted really quickly. Yes. And that's where if you've got the nine-litre water extinguisher nearby, you can do a lot of work really quickly. But do you know what's something that's probably even uh, more advantageous? Take a rake with you next time or a hoe and just clear a small area around you so there's not actually that continuous uh, dry grass or fuel. So if something does happen to happen next to you where the hive is, and just say you did uh, accidentally ignite some grass that was just around the hive, it might run for a metre or two and then just die out because you've just scratched, the, you've scratched it back to some dirt nearby. Um, if, it's, if it's that dry, there's probably the ability to be able to do that and scratch it back to some dirt, and that's not a bad way to do it. So it's just creating a little little break around what you've got. Um, and, yeah, just make, making sure that you're doing everything you can t- to be really careful. That, that's great advice, absolutely great advice, because I know I carry when it's hot weather. Uh, my, my father, my old man, was in the MFB, uh, Metropolitan yep. Fire Brigade, for 30 years, and um, he's uh, they live out in the Yarra Valley, out in um, Seville, and there's been some bad nice. bad fires and um, out there before. And but So I, when it's hot weather, I, I carry that 9-litre uh, extinguisher, which is pretty cheap because... You just you can reuse them. You fill them up with water and you you put the uh, the air into fill them up with an air compressor. Yeah, 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 super yeah. Easy. so it's a really so so for those listeners, you know, if it's hot weather and once again, if it's stifling hot, you're not going to be able to be alive anyway. But but I like your advice having that um, that rake um, just to give you that that buffer zone almost, isn't it? Oh, really easy, low tech way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah, good advice. Uh, now, hive keepers. So, yeah. so, so when when did that sort of start off, Simon? Uh, now, hivekeepers yeah. is a, is an application, you know. That's yeah. So it's it's probably even bigger than that now. But hivekeepers started off uh, in 2016 as an idea. I had you, you know what it's like keeping records and writing down notes and what have you, or or doing little uh, you know notes on the top of your beehive. Like that's they're all the things that like I know that uh, people you know opt to do to try to keep track of what's going on, and all of them work. But when they don't work then, 
is when you accidentally drop your notebook in a puddle and you don't find it for a couple of hours until you go back looking for it later mm. on. Mm. And that's what happened with my notebook sometime back then is I dropped it in a puddle. Literally, it's as boring as that. I dropped it in a puddle, went to find it. My notebook was wrecked and five or six years of record keeping which was not always the greatest quality record keeping, but there was something yeah, was gone. And that was really tough. And I was like somewhat disinterested in my job at the time, like didn't find great inspiration there, but also knew that I've got some uh, knowledge and capability and um, enthusiasm to try different things. So I started back then, and there's a lot more to the story, but to keep it simple, I started back then a software company called Hive Keepers which was record keeping for beekeepers. And when I say that, I'm talking mainly recreational small scale beekeepers. So back at the start of 2017, uh, the first version of the Hivekeeper software was out there. And I'm proud to say, even though it's a long time ago now, we got on the uh, trending top 100 trending of, of apps in the yes. first week of launch on, yeah, on the app store. That's would, awesome. Would you believe it? That's cool. crazy, That's, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah, very full on. And since then, we've had almost, and I haven't looked up the numbers in such a long time, and there's a reason for that I can talk about later, but there's around about 100,000 people have downloaded the app. Oh, it is a paid service. Awesome. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It that's is a great. paid service. Yes. And like, I suppose one thing that people will go, oh, what do you mean it's paid? Everything should be free these days. Well, no. do you know what, Ben? It is really not. To, to, to keep something maintained and in reasonable order actually is a huge amount of effort. And I've got a new appreciation for the effort that goes into any technology or innovation that we use for like why there needs to be a fair value. Oh, totally agree, to that. Totally and agree. And I reckon, I, I reckon I've been really bad at that in the past. Like before doing this for myself, I did not give value to something, uh, to things like this. And that's certainly changed for me. So five years ago, Hivekeeper started uh, with that. And it's been evolving and changing ever since. And I've had my ups and I've had my downs with it. Um, one of the coolest things, and you'll appreciate this, is decided to go to North America. To the, this is like going all in. Oh, I'm going to build an app. Like when you're bored with your job and you yeah. drop your notebook in the uh, puddle, what do you do? You go to North America to the beekeeping biggest beekeeping conference in the world, just about over there, and spend a couple of weeks in North America talking to beekeepers and seeing what go, what's going on. That's that's part of this journey, and it was the most unbelievable experience. Have you been over there for any of their conferences, Ben? Oh, probably the only one I've been to is Appamondia in Canada. In Montreal. Yeah, wow, that would yeah. have been that would have been amazing. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. That's next level. We have our yeah. uh, I think we saw each other was it the Gold Coast conference three yep. years ago? That's yes, right. Yeah, you yep. had a store there. Yeah, uh, that's right. And that was and we it was so uh, I was so proud of um, Australian beekeeping at that 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 Congress on the Gold Coast, that was so great to have that moment. But when you've been over to the North American Beekeeping Conference, and I've been over to New Zealand's conference for three years in a row, obviously oh, wow. this year and last year it didn't happen. Yeah. New Zealand are amazing at it. And if there's anyone listening to your show who is incredibly excited about beekeeping and really goes out on a limb to learn more and see what's going on, make the effort make the effort to get over there, tie it in with a, a trip to the snow or something while you're there, yes, yes. and go over and um, immerse yourself in what happens there because it was truly amazing um, how serious they take it. And people won't like probably hear me, hear me saying that, but that's the truth, how serious and advanced and innovative and um, mature the industry is there. Um, and the same was to be said about North America when I was there as well. Um, just utterly amazing. 
Which, which conference was it in uh, New Zealand, Simon? Which one? Um, so they have their Apiculture, New Zealand Apiculture Conference, which is their, essentially their biggest, their um, national body gets together and puts a conference on. Normally at Rotorua, they've done it, but there was one year we went to the South Island and, and did it there as well. But that conference is really impressive, really worth the effort. Um, lots of, lots to learn from like, like world class presenters that come along. Uh, a huge trade show, lots of really interesting people, uh, to go and meet and talk with. Um, really worth the effort. And it's, we have a, a very different looking industry here. Um, so therefore we don't, we haven't had that need to sort of go to that level. And I mean, we could debate the merits of why, why not? But, um, the truth is, is that they do a really an amazing job of a national level conference. And when we did our one here that we, where we bumped into each other up in the Gold Coast, I'm like, yeah, good work, Australia. That's, that's got the same feel as New Zealand and, um, was, uh, hugely impressed by that. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's really, really cool. And so with Hive, Hive Keepers, so I'm going to put, um, your website, which is hivekeepers.com.au in the, uh, in the show notes so people can look it up. So you've created this app. Um, yep. and it's important of obviously the listeners to actually know that there is a, um, a requirement through the Department of Prime Industries that you have um, correct record keeping in there. Yeah, spot on. So the Code of Practice um, designates that we must keep records of what we do, hive movements, new equipment that we bring in, where we get our bees from, where our queens have come from, what pests and diseases we're experiencing, what treatments and the like. And uh, it's Pretty boring sort of stuff, Ben, <laughs> to, to to do really, and um, I don't get ex- I don't get too excited about it, to be honest. And I was like, "There's got to be a better way," and that's what sort of where the um, initial sort of interest came to try to figure something out and do something about this that made it a little bit more interesting. And I suppose one important point here is is the current app that's available is going to finish up soon, and the reason for that is we've spent the first three yeah we've spent the first three years really spending a lot of time developing that and like working hard there and learning, basically learning, learning from beekeepers what works and what doesn't, understanding how they do their thing with their bees. And the reason we're going to finish the two versions, the Apple App Store and the Android version up soon is because we'll be releasing a whole new version, which we built from, we've been building from the ground up this year. Okay. And initially this one is just a web-based, browser-based one. So like I will give you a full declaration there. It won't work in a non-coverage area in this new version at, at the moment yep. until we go get further down the track. Yep, yep. But it comes with it comes with all our learnings from the last three years. And like that's significant because we've learned that a lot of what was in our existing product was great and people appreciated it, but it wasn't really working in with their flow of how they do their beekeeping. Okay. And that's not very helpful. Yes. So we've we've really changed the way we do that, um, and I've got a meeting tomorrow night with um, our development team, which will hopefully show me that we're really close to you know, final beta testing of this new version. And depending on when we get when you put this um, episode out there, we're hoping that in September, so for the Southern Hemisphere spring, uh, we'll be actually having that made available. Okay. Um, to beekeepers. And and Simon said, so will that be in the app as well? So the version two point Call it? Um, not not in the first instance. It's just a web browser based product. And once and the reason for that, and this is where I've, I've learnt I've burnt my um, fingertips plenty of times. Ben, go out there and build something, 
and then realise you need to make a lot of changes and it's expensive to build. Okay. Um, and that might seem really ob- or expensive to change, I should say. That yes. might seem really obvious, but like it's not always apparent. Okay. Um, so what we've done is we're building a web-based, browser-based version first, okay. um, which which means that we've got lots of flexibility. You can change it in a huge way. Once we hear back, just say we spend this spring and summer hearing from beekeepers and they yes. tell us everything they love and, and everything they don't like about it, then we can go back and make the relevant changes and that's when we come in, after we've had that learning from the beekeepers, that's when we come in and build a standalone app that works where there's not internet coverage. Okay. So that's us actually getting clever, maybe not perfect for the end user, but it actually, well, I feel like it is because we're trying to Whoa, solve a problem that's for right. beekeepers. We're trying to solve a problem for beekeepers. Exactly. And we, we need beekeepers to give us feedback. But we've also got to be economically a little bit careful how we do that. Of course. And, and so what about hive keepers now? No version yeah. 1.0. So you'll keep that. How will that happen? Um, that won't that won't be able to stay online forever. That will end up having to stop supporting that at some particular point. Um, I know that the um, I, the Apple version is already being awkward and a little bit challenging for the users over there. Most people are probably using it nowadays. Android users anyway. So at some point we will have to phase that out. I don't have a particular a date in mind or a situation in mind of when that needs to happen. Um, the challenge there is is the app stores are constantly changing and evolving and updating and making that really hard. And this is what I made that point earlier. Remember when I said earlier, like, uh, it's easy to not appreciate what goes on behind the scenes no, for right. someone who's building an innovation yes. or putting some technology out there. That's a classic, is there's constant um, updates and changes and modifications that are made just to keep something alive, let alone add more value to it as time goes on. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And, and, and yeah, go on. Go on. No, no, I was going to say one of the key things there is is for our next generation of technology offerings, which I'll talk about in a moment. We had to rebuild everything because we want to be able to offer smart hive solutions coming up, where we we have um, sensor enabled beehive technology. We could not integrate that in nicely with the old software. That was not practical. Um, certainly not economically practical. This new version allows us to do that and do that intelligently with the um, ability to use the most modern technologies available so that we can be as efficient and as clever as we possibly can so that you can be really proactive with your beekeeping rather than reacting when you're out there. Because And the whole idea behind that, Ben, I know you'd be across this, but is if you've got sensors in your beehives, you can see what's going on even when you're not there. Yes. And you can see the trends that are happening with their health and their well-being. You can see patterns happening with their honey production or honey loss. Yes. Um, yep. One of the things I've learned the most is when I've been expecting uh, an increase in honey, I've actually or weight of a hive, I've actually been seeing a, a loss in a weight of a hive that I've never would have noticed before. I would have naturally just assumed it's all, all working in the upward trend at the moment, but no. It's actually going backwards in the middle of what I would have thought would have been a great booming time. So to have that visibility of what's going on is a real game changer. And uh, we think that's all we know. People kept on asking and hassling us about it. And that's one of the other reasons why our software needed a complete overhaul. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, for the listeners, um, I use HiveKeepers. I've got the app and I absolutely love it. It's a a really, no, it is a really brilliant app, Um, especially for someone like me that, you know, sometimes you go, okay, I've got sites everywhere. And I go, oh, geez, have I been to, 
no, such and such site, you know, and I go, oh, and I can look at it and go, oh, there's the date of when I've been and, yep. you know, what I checked and so forth. So it is brilliant. So, but I'll ask the question. So, how much is the, uh, what's the subscription for Hive Keepers at the moment? Simon? So, on the existing version, and Australian viewers or listeners will be super frustrated with this, but it's 60 US dollars per year. Yes. Yep. And I'm um, sorry that it's in US dollars, but like that's just, not everything can be done perfectly how you'd like it. Yes. In our future step going forward, we've actually got a really different pricing model okay. and um, we've not actually settled on that. Yep. But I would think that for the vast majority of people will be less. Okay. And that's because we want to make it really accessible. Yep. Um, I've had a really interesting learning journey with pricing. Um, anyone who's got any experience with that would, would, would have probably been there as well. But I found that when we priced it really low, we got lots of people complaining for $15 a year that, you know, that they weren't getting enough for their money. Then when we put the price, when we had the price high to try to like make it more relevant for the value it was bringing, everyone, the people that were paying that didn't ever complain for a moment. Mm. And they were just happy. They were just happy. They were there. They were getting a service and that was fine. But what we have learnt is we don't, where we can do this, we don't want the price to be a reason for someone to not yes. be able to do a better job of, maintaining their like obligation of keeping good records and we know how valuable that information is for you as a beekeeper to learn and understand more and pick trends and be better at what you do so we'd be crazy not to make it as easily accessible as possible is is our attitude going into this next version yeah 100 percent, simon i totally agree and what about with the the existing hive keepers that's that's um the platform now um, yep. Will there be? Will you be able to integrate the say someone like me integrate the information yep. that's on now into the you know the new version say two point Don't think you're going to be happy with the answer, Ben. No, no <laughs> fine. No, no. For, for me, I've got to spend an hour putting it into the new system. That, you know, that's an hour. That's fine. You know, I mean, that's a win. That's a yeah. Look, that's a perfect, it will. It will be. Yeah, yeah, it's a perfect winter job. Yeah, I mean, I'm twiddling my um, thumbs sometimes during winter, so it's so it's fine. So like what? So, like, hot tip for you and anyone who's got hive keepers that's listening, maybe go through the process on the online portal that you've got access to now or maybe you download all your um, PDF reports uh, over time, download your PDF reports so that you've got them separately. I mean, I know a lot of people that do that anyway. They like to have them available separately. Yes. So you can get onto the online portal. You download them all from there. You've got them all saved for now and forever. Um, that's probably a good way to do that. Um when it comes to the next version, obviously, yeah, you need to be onboarded separately there. That's yeah. a huge frustration for me because I know what the attitude is of people. Well, people are going to go, hang on, come on, that was an obvious thing you should have done. But it, the truth for us is, is we've just got to, uh, we've got to be economical in our approach, and that's uh, something we couldn't organise to do. Yeah, that's fine. As I said, it's fine. It's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? It's um, sure to actually, yeah, to actually put that information. And that's for, for those listeners. You got to do it. Do it over winter <laughs> when the bees are. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, Makes sense. And, and also too, I've got to mention as well. Don't for people listening, you know, don't be scared to actually, you know, get hive keepers now. Like this is have uh, a go. Yeah, get used yeah, to the idea. Yeah, get used to the idea. What is it? Eighty five dollars Australian for for a year. It's it's. So it's, do you know uh, what, Ben? If if anyone was listening to this. And I know the future of that app, so I know that at some point it's going to not not be serviceable. And I know how like I'm excited about the new generation coming around. But if anyone was wanting to purely get their like experience up with like keeping records and doing something like that, and they were to download it and start using it, all they need to do is send me an email, and they get 
and I'll start emailing them as soon as they download it anyway, giving them, you know, information of how to use it. Um, they just have to email me and I just extend the free trial <laughs> until, till the end of the year or something. So if it's about practical, if it's about getting practical and being capable with record keeping and getting an eye on what it's all about, then I don't, I don't want to push people down a path that I know is going to end soon. And I also know that by the time this goes to air, I might be, it might be the time when this is all, our new version's almost there. I can't wait to share it with you, Ben, and share it with everyone else as well. That's awesome. And that, that's really nice and humble of you to actually do that. So, so for those listeners, you know, jump on board, Hive Keepers, download it. Um, Simon will give you an extended free trial. So do check it out. And as I said, it's the app I use. Yeah. Um, I've got, yeah, it's awesome. yeah, I've got a lot of host of hives from, from in Melbourne, from Frank's in the Richmond. I've got 86 hives. And uh, yep. I've got each one in there, and it's brilliant. You can take a photo, uh, how, how they're doing, and, uh, and for notes, it's absolutely uh, absolutely brilliant. Well, I'm looking for, I'm going to hassle you a whole lot, Ben, when, when this new version comes out, and I can uh, show you in detail so that you can, um, yeah, pick on it and tell me what works for you and what doesn't, and we can continue to push it and, you know, hone it in on what, what's a really great product for um, Australian beekeepers. That's, yeah, no, that's awesome, Simon. Now, you've got another product as well. It's actually... It's, got a lot. Yes, yeah. Well, this, this is one got that... got a lot I, going on. Yeah, I've got a lot going on, but this is one that I use. <laughs> and it's actually kind of funny because it's um, it's a Hive Guardian, which is which is basically a, a tracking device that you put into your... It sort of fits in the size of your palm of your hand and um, yep. that you put in your hive. Now, it's actually uh, interesting because as a beekeeper, you don't want your hives getting pinched. Uh, and and yeah, I've got some, I've got uh, four of them that I've got in the random random hives, and yep. it, it's kind of funny because I almost I want them to get pinched. <laughs> I know it sounds like an oxymoron to know where they go because these are brilliant because we're seeing this happen more and more. Uh, obviously, the the price of beehives is expensive. So 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 tell us about the hive guardian, Simon. Yeah, so Hive Guardian, you, you nailed it with the size before. I sort of say it's about the size of a computer mouse, maybe, or a bit smaller perhaps, depending on the size. But um, the Hive Guardian is a GPS tracker that is battery-powered, that is designed to fit neatly inside a hive, uh, and it sits there quietly waiting for a disturbance, and it's communicating twice a day to say, hey, I'm still here. And then if it starts moving, it'll communicate every 20 minutes. And it's, it's starting to like let you know that it's been moving. And if you've got the software that goes with it set up such, it'll give you an alert to say that it's gone outside the area where it's expecting to be. So you can put, create what's called geofences. And it's those geofences that then give you instant alert to say, Hey, you're outside. It's, it's outside, um, Ben's Warrandyte zone. So therefore, you need to now, uh, you know, have a look, and then you can set it. You can go into the app and set it for recovery, and it'll ping every. And I can't remember. I think it's every minute or every twenty seconds. It'll ping its location, and you can see where it goes. And the idea behind it is that you can put it wherever you like. So, um, if you go to our website, there's picture. There's a picture of it sitting underneath the lid of a beehive. And some people go, "Well, that's ridiculous. Everyone knows where to look for it now." Get creative. Have a think about where it could go. Um, and what could happen. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how many, you could put one of these in every hive. Um, someone will probably come come and steal them one day and find them and throw them out. Like that's the risk, isn't it? Yes. Like that's, that's the downside risk. But the truth is too, is if you've got these there, as a, a, as a deterrent, B, as a theft recovery, so if they do disappear, go and find them, one day we might just have a whole lot less of hive theft issues because the people that are doing it, 
which I think you and I, Ben, both know that it's probably beekeepers doing it. Yes, unfortunately. Mm. Um, well, hopefully there's enough of a deterrent that it just stops them bothering. Yes. Um, we've got – so the ones that we've got now, the batteries last for up to three years. That's awesome. We're getting – I haven't had a chance to tell you this, Ben. The new ones that we're getting soon, so by um, probably September, those ones have an up to 10-year battery life. Wow, that's awesome. And, yeah, it's pretty good. And the technology within, inside it, it's on the what's called the NBIOT network. And without getting too technical or too carried away – it's not 3G, it's not 4G or satellite communications. It's a particular network that does come off the telephone towers, but it carries much further. It goes over the horizon, bounces off the atmosphere, comes down, gets it gets further than the 4G network does. Now, it's not perfect, but our testing right across Southeast Australia makes us pretty happy that we've got, got you covered, to be honest. And even like we found that spot that um, of yours, Ben, where it was dro- where the reception dropped out and we're puzzled why it wasn't working in that particular location. And it just had a little narrow dip and little narrow depression where those hides were. And that's where the geofencing becomes really important. If you set up that geofencing, say, within half a kilometre around that location, as soon as you would have driven with that, someone else drove with that hive that's right. or that tracker outside of there, it's going to tell you, it's going to record, it's going to, it's going to know as soon as it starts to move. And communicate it was just in that one little brief spot that there's a problem. So, with the geofences and the alerts you can set up, it's really a great way to look after that. And look, I don't know how it goes yet. We haven't asked enough questions, but can we get, can we or not? No, mandate's not the right word, but can we get something happening where we can we can get these out there? Insurance companies, uh, you know, give you a break if they know you've got got them in there. Like that's a question we need to start asking. Is like. If you've got these out there and you're trying to um, reduce this issue for your own sake, should, should insurance companies be more reasonable in their premiums and what have you um, for you? I think they should. So um, who knows Who knows where that's going to go? But at the moment, that's an Australia product that we're pretty excited about. Um, we've got a fair few of these already moving out across it, um, South Australia, New South Wales. We've got some in Queensland. We've got plenty in Victoria. They're moving around, um, and all reports are pretty good. We're yeah. pretty pleased there. And, and pricing for the listeners? Yeah, so it, it varies. To, if you only wanted one, it's like $190 or $187 down to a reduced price if you're buying them in bulk. And we, and I mean, the price is a bit higher than when you first got on board, Ben, because we've had to calibrate that a little bit. But, um, and it's $10 a month to be monitoring those. And um, that's like a pretty good price. Um, compared to what's going on out there in the market for similar um, use cases or similar products um, because we want it to be accessible again. And I know that's not going to be the perfect price for everybody, but at least um, we're doing our best to make it worthwhile for people. Hopefully hopefully they can get on board. You know what? I'm actually going to disagree with you there because I think the pricing is brilliant because, you know, if you've, it doesn't mean, let's say you've got an apiary of, say, 10 to 50 hives. You don't have to put yeah, them in sure. every single one. You know what I mean? No, what, true. What, what I've done is you put them in the most obvious one that someone's going to pinch. And, and the other thing is too, yeah. um, how I've used mine is they're actually such a slim line that will actually fit at the base underneath the, the bottom of your brood box underneath the frames. So, so yes, they will. Yeah, so they fit really well. So it's not like, okay, someone lifts the lid and they go, oh, bugger, there's a you know hive tracker. No, it's actually, I, I've worked out, it's a little, a little tip for the listeners that, yeah, you actually sit on underneath your frames. And the thing is, the bees 
just go around them. There's no, uh, and I've been trolling these and using these for, for quite some time now, there's no adverse effects with any, you know, obviously communication with the bees. Um, and the spot that I actually had them was in a very, very remote area. Um, yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, so that was, and as you said, it was working, but it's, um, yeah, once you sort of moved out, which is if someone's going to pinch something, they're going to be on the on the road moving your hive. So um, Hive Guardian, so once again, I'll put that in the show notes so people yeah, can. Yeah, take a look. Take yeah. a look. And, yes. like, um, if people are not sure, we normally have a couple of spare ones hanging around, and we're happy to get, give people a trial turn, like to see if it is going to work for them where they, where they need to travel. Um, and we're, and we're happy to do that because we're just curious as well. We want to know that like what our promise is, is we can live up to that. That's the intent, of course. Um, but if we were to find there was a problem with it somewhere, well, that's, that's good for us to learn um, and understand. So that's the whole idea about making them available for trials if people if people need to. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Absolutely. Can awesome. I put an idea past you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, please, Owen. Far away. So if you could imagine um, one of these integrated into a, a B-frame, one of the frames inside your hive so that um, you would have to just obviously be aware that it's where, where it's located. But it, does that seem like a logical way to disguise where they are if oh, it was integrated in a briefly? 100%. So if you think if someone's going to pinch something, you know, because there's, there's talk that sometimes where there's been beekeepers which have actually, and this doesn't happen all that much, but it does happen. It does happen. And it, But in saying that, we're going to see more and more, obviously, you know, the price of beehives is going up and so forth, particularly sure with our wax and, and honey <coughs> and so forth. So, um, so so having it within the frame is a, is a fantastic idea because if someone's going to, you know, as I said, if they pop the lid open, they're going to take, you know, bees out and put them in their own box. That's going to take time. And, and a thief yeah, yep. a, a thief is going to be, no matter what they're stealing, is going to be want to be quick. They want to get in, they want to get out. So, um, so right. they're going to take the actual. If they do look for it, they're going to take the box. Um, yeah, yeah. I've actually got a stencil made up um, and put onto a lot of my hives that say equipped with a GPS tracker, and and I put oh, yeah. That, yeah, and I put that on the front of my hives. I actually did it different colours, and it was more primarily for the bees. You know, you got all white yep. boxes so the bees can navigate, and um, so I've I've done that. And uh, but a little tip for everyone as well. But using the the Hive Guardian is great, and, and uh, yeah, integrating in a frame, oh, 100%. That's a fantastic idea, absolutely. Watch this space. It's probably not till next year, but that's uh, something we're working on as well. And, and what else are you working on at the moment, Simon? Oh, wow. So we've had a really flat-out year. I sort of alluded to it before. We're doing um, smart hives, so sensor-enabling beehives. It's my team's intent, Ben, to have the first some of those for sale this springtime. Mm. And, yes. yeah, I know it's a pretty big deal. Oh, yes. And we're going to just – it's only going to be the Melbourne beekeepers local to us so that we can give good – we need to have, like, we need to be able to come and see you. Yes. We do want to be able to, like, really look after you if you're going to be one of these first few customers that, uh, that are tempted to use our technology. But so if you – um, you'd be familiar with it, but hive weight mechanisms, so be able to actually uh, monitor the weight of the hive over time. The temperature and humidity inside the hive is a really good indication of, of, of overall wellness and status of the hive. Uh, really intrigued, Ben, with that about um, humidity. The more I've been watching our hives that we've got in our research apiary, the more I'm realising that it's actually a and I'm, this is this is my interpretation. So, like, there might be there might be data and literature and anecdotes and experience that other people suggest that this is not true. But the more humidity in the hive, the more vigor and 
um, confidence I'm seeming to have in that beehive. Okay. Yes. Yep. Makes sense. And they're, that means they're respiring and they're um, they're managing the uh, temperature in there. Um, lots of humidity has been like something I wasn't expecting. I'd normally look at humidity as being associated with um, an unhealthy hive, and I've, I that is a myth in my head that I'm slowly busting. Now we'll 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 have more of that. I'm sure myth busting as time goes on, but we'll see how that goes. The other one that. Uh, we're interested in is acoustics inside the beehive. We've come across that before, Ben, where yes. we actually listen to the sound of the bees. Yes. And we're able to pick up patterns and trends emerging and we're able to like understand more about the status of the hive, including things like queenlessness or if they're building up to a swarming event. There's a few things that that starts to indicate. It can also indicate if they're being robbed. We're being attacked by something. Now we've got a lot to learn there. Like with the the beekeepers that get on board with us this spring uh, to do this, it's not about um, they'll tell you when your hive is being robbed. We need you to tell us your hive's being robbed so we can look at the data and go, okay, so that's what that looks like in our that's data. It, yeah, so we, right. that's why we want to have that's why we want to have a really close relationship with the first beekeepers so we can learn from them and they can learn from the data and we can do that all together. It's all about the data, which is which is the fascinating part. Yeah, and amazing. what we've been doing with that technology, that's been forming a, a, the backbone to uh, a grant that we received. So late last year, we received a grant from Agriculture Victoria under their Livestock Biosecurity Fund, and it was to create a smart hive to identify to, to as an early detection system for varroa. Okay. Now we've had a we've had a smart hive set up down at. Um, Stony Point in the Port of Hastings facility down there and we have two functions there. Firstly, in-hive sensing that we've just talked about but also image recognition cameras that are looking at the bees and looking to see if Varroa is on the bees. And as part of that project, we sent over some of our equipment to New Zealand and we worked with Plant and Food Research New Zealand over there and we recorded um, eight or ten hours of footage of Bees coming and going from beehives to, so that we can observe varroa mites on those bees. And then we could, what we do with that then is we get the footage of bees with varroa and we get our footage of bees here in Australia without varroa and we create a machine learning algorithm which lets us be able to determine when we, when we then use that algorithm, we can determine whether the image, in the image we can see a bee with varroa or if they're all without varroa. So we've been working on an algorithm for that uh, and technology with that so that we can help strengthen our port systems and our early uh, identification of the roller pests. It's really tough work. Yeah, right. I've got to be honest with you. It's really complicated. It's not easy. Um, there's been so many failure points, which is good because every failure point is a massive learning yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Yeah, fascinating. And, wow. And it's been, yeah, a real bonus to um, be able to have the privilege to work on that on such a, you know, a important and strategic uh, program. Absolutely fascinating. And I've just got a, a quick question on the yep. the hives, the remote hive scales. Uh, so have you worked yep. at what technology are you using, like sort of three G? What what's the sort of the technology there? Sorry. What's the so question? we can we can do anything. Okay. So that doesn't matter what we choose there. What we will be doing in this first release because we just said we've got to put a fence around this rather than trying to do everything. We've yep. got to just settle on something. We're doing just a uh, Wi-Fi enabled version, yep. 
initially, and that's like the first one. So there'll be backyard beekeepers who have a Wi-Fi um, capable facility, you know, a Wi-Fi capable backyard, I should say, and we can just simply do that there for them. Like that's just because we want a few people to help pilot our um, new hardware. Then that's just so we can get it up and running and start doing what we're doing. And then after that, we'll be going down the 3G uh, method of, of data, of sending the data. And uh, we've got some really clever ways to do that. The other thing, though, too, is there's a whole other network that is um, uh, that we can take advantage of, like the NBIOT network I mentioned earlier, which is uh, it transmits over a long distance, small packets of data all the time, and can be really cost effective. So we've, the truth is, you've got lots of ways we can do that, and our end game is to be able to plug and play whatever method suits you. Now, if you're um, a Ben from Ben's Bees and you're moving your bees around, you need reliability. Wi-Fi is not going to cut it, but a 4G card probably does. So yes. you have the 4G capability and it's communicating all the time. Now, if you're a biosecurity beehive and you're off, and I don't even know if this is a legitimate thing, if you're on Cape York or you're in the middle of the Air Peninsula on South Australia or somewhere where there's a remote testing location, you've probably got no data capability. So you've got to talk to satellites. And that's where you partner up with clever people like the South Australian Muriota guys. Um, and you use satellite technology uh, to be able to do that communication piece of the puzzle. So we've built a really strong foundation so that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the communication method is. Um, we can fit in whatever. But initially, we're just starting simple and we'll build it up from there. That is absolute awesome. I just absolutely love your passion, Simon. You know, I mean, so, you know, <laughs> well, deal, dealing with things on this sort of, you know, on this technical side, and and as you mentioned, the amount of work that you put in, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. So, so every success that we have, we've probably had ten or twenty devastating failures before that. Yeah, wow. And like that's not something that most people can stomach. And like I've got a team that sits behind me of data engineers and electrical engineers and data analysts and they just push on and push on. It doesn't mean they don't get frustrated or worn out, but they just they just can see the value that we can bring to the future. And I haven't even talked to you yet about like the mentoring side of things that we've got um, that we're moving in the direction of Ben, but We've got a team that can see that this is not this is more than just a backyard in Melbourne. This is more than about providing opportunity for beekeepers, you know, uh, pollination beekeepers or migratory beekeepers to see what's going on as they move their bees around southeastern Australia. We actually have a whole team that sees an opportunity here to help feed an entire country, uh, the globe. Yeah, of course. Pollination, the benefits of pollination uh, that honeybees bring are huge. We all know that. Yes. The value that, and I'll pick on one particular scenario that might highlight it the best. If you're an Indian farmer, which 80% of the population there um, rely on agricultural um, outputs for, for their living, yes. you would have, say, a smallhold farm, maybe two acres. Um, and I know this because a few of the, three of the guys on my team are Indian students here in Australia who um, tell me exactly what it's like and what the situation is and what we've got to consider. So you've got a two-acre property and you grow a range of different crops on there and you're trying to optimise as best as you can. What if we add bees to that? Now, firstly, from our research, Indi uh, Indian farmers are really anxious and hesitant about having bees. 
Yes. And there's obviously something to overcome there. But we're understanding that if we could be able to put these there, similar to, say, a rooftop bees or to a backyard bees scenario, where they might just have two hives, a few things happen then. One, we know that it's going to improve the outputs on their land. Yes. So if they're growing different fruit trees and vegetables and what have you, we know it's going to improve that. It's also going to improve that to their neighbours and their surrounding environment. So tick in the box there. Yeah, definitely. It gives, it gives the farmer another source of income. So they can sell their honey and other, and other high byproducts or bee byproducts and they can earn further income from their property. And the key thing it does here, it doesn't take up much more space as you'd know. Mm. Like to have a couple of beehives, you can put in the corner, you can put behind the shed, you could, you hardly even need any space whatsoever to be able to do this. And all of a sudden we're increasing yield off a property that um, hasn't really taken any more space. And the third thing, Ben, which to me like really hits home and is the most important one, I'm pretty sure that you, Ben, would care deeply about where the, where your food comes from. Oh, I think I've measured you. I think I've measured you yes. pretty well there. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I reckon a lot of people. Yeah, I reckon a lot of the people that listen to your uh, program are probably quite similar to you in that respect. Like they care. They like to buy local. They like to have nutritious, healthy food. They don't want to just cook. Uh, like as a last resort, they grab something from a supermarket shelf yep. that they're not sure where it's come from. Like that's like a really conscious thing. Can I just say, like Indian families and parents are no different to you and I with that. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And yeah, yep. like it, it, it's an assumption that I that is not always um, obvious, but they would love to know that they're producing their own honey and can consume their own honey off their own property, as opposed to. Um, adulterated honey that they don't know what's going on, which is a huge problem in India as well. So mm. we've got a huge plan of, of how we can contribute and assist agriculture and socioeconomic output globally. And that might seem going from hive guardians, hive theft devices and a bit of software through to trying to solve global hunger and socioeconomic problems is a bit of an extreme end-to-end thing. But we're actually really serious about that. Like we can actually see a way forward where we can contribute uh, in a huge way to future food sustainability. Yes, yeah, absolutely fascinating, Simon. It's absolutely a lot bit going on there too. Oh, there is. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And you, and you just touched base there. I'll get you to explain about this new platform um, that you said in regards to. It's almost like a yeah. online forum. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So we've just started, only very softly, quietly, um, and we're build, building it up over time. It's uh, called Hive Buddy. So at the moment, it sits on HiveBuddy.com. Yep. And this is our online experience sharing platform. And this is a place that will be a place, I should say, for beekeepers to go. And they can come together with other beekeepers and share experiences. And the whole idea there sits around the fact that we also can see it becoming a mentoring platform where we can connect incredibly experienced and capable beekeepers with new beekeepers. So how many times would you say, Ben, <laughs> to someone who goes, yeah, hey, Ben, I'm really interested in becoming a beekeeper. And they say, what do I need to do? Yes. And you've probably got a few standard answers. And I'll bet one of them is you need to find yourself a beekeeping mentor. Yes, yeah, definitely. Have you, do you say that a bit? Yeah. I mean, go and read all these books, do that. Maybe check out some YouTube videos, do that. Um, you should also go on a beekeeping course, a one or two day beekeeping hands-on course. Absolutely, you should try and do that. And the other thing is you need to get a beekeeping mentor. Well, 
that's not always easy. Beekeeping mentors, like quality beekeeping mentors are in high demand. That's hard to like share those people around. Um, and like if you're anyone like me who's a shift worker, finding like a beekeeping group or like a club or something or mentors and fitting with other people is actually quite hard. So what we're wanting to do is create an online mentoring community where we respect and acknowledge the value that experience brings. So if you're, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on you, Ben, you're an experienced, competent beekeeper who has lots of uh, knowledge and skills and capability that's worth sharing. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So when it, people should acknowledge that. Yeah, like sure. that is worth, like if any other skill set, like would you would be paid for that and like that's the opportunity that sits there. So we want to create an online place where uh, we can like pair up um, mentors with mentees and we want to do it in a couple of different ways. Firstly, like the one-to-one mentoring system is not necessarily the best use of people's time, but we see group mentoring programs uh, sessions being the way to do that. So how that might look, Ben, is you would have, say, 10 to 20 beekeepers. You go through a process over, say, three months. Pick a season, like it'd be spring or it'd be summer, and that you connect with them every two weeks online, go through like an hour and a half or so session with them online. You work through problems and issues. You give them seasonal updates. You give them value that's going to be realistic and relevant to them. You're a platform where they can ask their their questions that they're not sure of and you bring real value to them over that period of time that they're with you. Now, you should get rewarded for that, shouldn't you? And people who are getting good quality advice should be prepared to pay you for that. So HiveBuddy is, is, is going to be a platform which allows for that. But not only should it be like a, a place where value can be exchanged like that, we just want there to be lots of freely available quality experience sharing going on. So whilst I've talked mainly about a, a paid platform for mentors and mentees to get together, we see the opportunity for every B club that exists now to get on board and have their own group. We call them tribes, have their own tribe. Yeah, love it. And get together, get away from this social media, get away from what the challenging places of uh, Facebook, get away from what the um, the like the, the harsh environment that does exist in social and create your own place on a platform where you can you can be around the people that matter to you. Yes. And that, that's still always who's going to present its own moderation challenges. But being able to do that so that beekeepers can come together, like you could have a whole Ben's Bees um, location there where people come together and you spend time with them, for example. Um, and we just want to do it in a way that is really focused on bees and beekeepers and giving a good quality experience. I guess I, I hope that makes sense to people and I hope it like, um, gives people like the desire to perhaps you know, show interest in um, coming and taking a look, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely love it. So I'm just going to uh, put down the show notes, but that's www.hivebuddy, uh, B-U-D-D-Y.com. So, so yeah, that's right, that. hivebuddy.com. Correct. That's awesome. Simon, absolutely blown away. You're absolutely amazing. You're doing some cool things. And I just got to mention, I love the way, you know, you're, you're there to help people. You're there to help the industry and you're there to help the bees. I absolutely love that. Absolutely incredible. Um, I have like experienced so much great value from other people right across the beekeeping sector, yourself included. Uh, I've, I've had so much value 
um, and quality time around bees and beehives. Like this just feels like the right thing to do to, to continue to add value to others and, and indeed like mental wellbeing for myself. So, uh, it's been awesome to be able to have this chat. Um, always keen to, uh, stay connected, um, with you and other people and hopefully inspired a few people to, to think about how innovation perhaps can be a part of what, what their beekeeping is for them. Absolutely love it, Simon. Simon, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I look forward uh, to seeing you in springtime. Absolutely love it. Well, I've loved the chat, mate. Thanks for the opportunity. No worries at all. Take care. All the best. Take Cheers. Care. Bye. How fantastic was that episode? I just love Simon's passion for bees and also to his passion for technology. Everything that he's doing is just really, really cool. He's doing some amazing things um, with his, obviously, his new platform, um, Hive Keepers, which is going to wind that one down and obviously uh, start up another, which is obviously good because you've learned along the way. It's a bit like beekeeping. You you do things and you might make some mistakes or find improvements. So I love that Simon's doing that. Uh, so really, really cool. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, you know, if you've got a little tip or a trick and you'd like me to uh, to read it out, uh, shoot me through a text on 0437077792. And thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Bees with Ben podcast and we hope you learnt some tips and tricks. It would mean a lot if you could please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to get instant updates when a new episode is uploaded. See you next week.